0: Hello, Internet friends, and welcome back to another episode of Go Ask Alice, the show where we jump down random internet rabbit holes and bring you wonderful factoids from our adventures in Wiki Wonderland. I'm Drew, and I've completely changed my opinion on cheese. With me is. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: Lindsay, and I believe my natural
1: deodorant is working. And I'm Sarah, and the only talent show I've ever won was when I dressed up like SpongeBob SquarePants in a giant cardboard box. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is the show where every week. <laughs> every week we start out on the same page of wikipedia and we put ourselves in procrastination mode and allow each click to take us to curiouser and curiouser we roam the internet looking for the most interesting pages diverging from the same initial point and then we do all of this behind the scenes so that by the time it gets to you it is interesting and well ironed out
1: for the most part That's right, for the most part. Yeah. So before we get started, we always have question of the week. This week's question about you is, how would your upstairs, no, I lie, how would your downstairs neighbor describe you? Do you want to go first, Lindsay?
2: Yeah, so I thought the the first word that came to mind also would make a great wrestling name. (laughs) Um, I think my neighbors would call me the Reckoning. (laughs) The Reckoning. Um, (laughs) like the reckoning. So like ever since this question, I've been like more hyper aware of what I do. (laughs) I like... I'll, like, use my sewing machine at 11 o'clock at night without thinking
1: about it. Oh, my God, me
2: too. Like, my cats cats will dive bomb off of my nine-foot bookshelves just straight into the floor. Like, you know, or I, like, work out during the day because I work from home and I'm doing, like, jumping jacks and burpees and, like, just really (laughs) jumping all over the place in this old building. Um, I, I feel like they would hate me and I'm terrified to meet them and, like... I live in an apartment complex that's, like, U-shaped, so I have people sharing my windows, and I'm pretty sure the other day I flashed my neighbours while trying to save a spider. (laughs) So I think that everyone
1: hates me. (laughs) Oh, my God, that's amazing. (laughs) Wow. What about you, Drew? Are you also the reckoning in your apartment? I am not.
0: I think my downstairs neighbor would know me as the well I guess I could be a reckoning I just drop things at like 2 in the morning randomly like I I get the dropsies and I'll just like you know I'll I'll be I'll just be walking around and I'll just like drop my shoes and I'll be like fuck that was like 2 in the morning why am I dropping my shoes Or yeah, do you ever feel like,
2: do you ever feel like your hands get bored of holding things and they're just like, that's what, it
0: is. that's what it is. I've dropped my water bottle so many times where I'm just like, I'm filling it up and I'm just like, I don't feel like holding this anymore. And I'll just drop it and be like, why, why did I do that? So oh they have to know me as like the guy who just drops things at two in the morning or like a terrible bassist. Cause I play my bass and I'm just like, you know, I'm I'm still practicing, so it's just <laughs> I'm sure they're just like he knows the I can same it's five just like songs, the same note, <laughs> <laughs> over and over. Oh my god, they have to. They, I like, I swear they hate me. <laughs> I don't know.
2: I, can you can you imagine being your downstairs neighbor? You just watched like the new Conjuring or something, and then all of a sudden you just hear.
0: I think they were angry at me one day. Because <laughs> oh I like to I like to listen to like YouTube and stuff to like not have silence in my apartment. And I think one day they were pissed off at me and just played T V for twelve hours straight really loud and I just like didn't even <gasps> notice it because I just like I tend to listen to things with like not headphones in. Yeah. <laughs> so, well you were
2: probably like, thank you, like I needed background like, noise. You
0: you're giving me background noise yeah, to my background you're saving noise. My internet. You're like, you know, I don't care. <laughs> and And, I think, after that day, they just like realized they couldn't win me over because I didn't complain or anything. So I think they uh I think they've come to terms with the fact that I just listen to things. and I don't even listen to it that loud. i just I just listen to things all the time. I
1: think that sounds fine. <laughs> what about you, Sarah? Oh, me? I think I'm a combination of you both, yeah, because I'm a bit of a night owl, so I'll get the <laughs> I'll get like a burst of energy at like midnight and then decide to do something. So, like, the same as Lindsay, like, I might start sewing or, like, I might start, like, painting a random piece of furniture. Um, But I also drop things a lot. (laughs) And so much so that a couple of years ago, at (laughs) this summer camp I was at, like, an astronomy summer camp, because I was very, very cool. Um, Someone said to me legitimately, like, have you ever, you know, had, like, a neurological exam? And I was like, what? Uh, What do you mean? (laughs) And he's like, well, you drop things a lot. So maybe, maybe you just don't have, maybe it's not wired right because you have awful hand-eye coordination. <laughs> and ever since that comment, I can't stop thinking about if there's something wrong with my brain. So I don't know. Maybe. Maybe.
0: Maybe. That's, that's sad. That's like really mean. It's <laughs> <Who's> a <laughs> mean say? thing to say. Oh my God.
1: <laughs>
0: no. Oh well. That happened.
2: Oh, well. Maybe they were concerned.
1: So I think I think my downstairs neighbors, I don't know. I'm hoping that they can't hear me. So. <laughs> Otherwise it's just a lot of like crime podcasts really late as I'm as I'm trying to write research up and <laughs> listening to like serial killers podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> trying trying to write up my <laughs> scientific research.
2: <laughs> oh my
1: god, I love that. that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So w- where did we start out this week? We started out on the page for beep As in the sound, beep. Thanks to Lindsay, it was her pick. Beep. (laughs) (laughs) That's
2: right. Um, I did the thing again where I got overconfident and I deleted all my history. I don't know how I got where I got. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. How would you get there? I don't know. Because then when I went to go, cl- I was like, oh, well, what, what hyperlinks are still illuminated? I found a different wiki hole that I went down a long time ago when I was trying to figure out all of the different sound effects in He-Man. So I- <laughs> 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 all of the knowledge is lost. I don't know how I, how I got where I did. <laughs> so where, where did you end up? I ended up in something called the Munsell color system. You've probably never heard of it, but you use it every day. It's one of those
0: things. Oh, okay. Ooh,
1: I'm excited.
0: Sarah, where'd you and end where up? where did you end no, up, No, Sarah, where'd you end up? <laughs> oh, jinx. <laughs> well,
1: um, <laughs> I ended up on a book called The Book of Wonders or The Book of Surprises, um, and it's this fourteenth century Persian manuscript. and it's just it's magical and amazing. So that's where I Oh ended my there. God, Sarah! <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I dug hard for this. I'm not kidding. I probably clicked through maybe thirty different links going around in circles. Wow trying to find find something. And I had almost I almost settled on the lighthouse of Alexandria which is like this ancient wonder of the world. Yeah, but fuck that. Well, what happened? Fuck that for surprises. They had a sketch of it. And would you know, the sketch came from the Book of Wonders. Um, And so that's how I got here.
2: Drew, how are you going to top that?
0: I'm I'm a basic bitch. I ended up on product placement.
1: (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh, that's really cool. But how did you end up there? yeah what the fuck <laughs> you
0: wait do you want me to go into it because <laughs> i can't yeah
1: yeah let's start with product placement
0: so from beep i ended up at beep sensor and from beep sensor to game shows and then from game shows to product placement that's it four clicks wow. oh that
1: was a very quick path
0: yeah it was it was a very very quick path and You know, we all have an idea of what product placement is in our world specifically because, you know, because I feel like media we consume is just like filled with product placement. Ads. Just ads Mm -hmm. everywhere. I
1: feel like I'm targeted. Yeah, all the time. It's like the Truman Show.
0: Yeah, it really is. I don't know if you've seen
1: that movie. Yes, absolutely. It is. Yeah.
0: Um, And, you know, we can all think of examples of of horrible product placement where we just kind of thought of like, wow, it's like this is super (laughs) out of place. And, you know, the the thing that I love about product placement, love and hate, love to hate, I guess, is just how dystopian <laughs> it is. Because it's just like, you can't, yeah. you know, our, pro- our, our programs are cut to, you know, fit around commercials and are cut to commercials. And we can't even escape that. Like, you can't even mute commercials. Now the products are in what you're actually watching. And that's just like, it's so horribly dystopian right. to me that it's just like, these corporations can just like control the... <laughs> I sound, I sound like a conspiracy theorist, but it's like <laughs> these corporations control the media.
1: But the conspiracy is real. No, it's true. Oh, a thousand percent. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, especially when you start to realize that, like, there's only a handful of major corporations that own just a massive amounts of the things that we consume on an everyday, like Westernized basis. Like it's insane. it really is.
0: It, it like there's just single corporations that own everything and you're like wait they own that so you know that's it's always bothered me a little bit that there's just like these huge corporations that own everything but you know that's that's uh that's another story for another mm. time right <laughs>
2: <laughs> it reminds me of that that John have you seen that John Carpenter film they live no no i haven't okay so it's like basically about these um Okay, I don't really know how to explain it, and I also don't want to give any spoilers. But basically, it's like you wear these glasses, and then suddenly, like everywhere that there was advertisements—this is part of the movie. um, Everywhere there's like an advertisement, it just like oversimplifies to like obey or buy or things like that. Just like you know what the hidden message is underneath. Um, It's very cool. I don't want to give any of it away, but um, that
1: sounds really cool. Yeah,
2: it was like kind of a rebellion against like like Reagan. policies and mm. just like kind of over uh like capitalism like like the, the like extremes of capitalism like it, it comments on and um uh like criticizes it i don't know it's like i don't know that it's a pretty you've probably seen gifs and screenshots yeah. of this show or this movie and like not realized it but um i highly recommend it because it's like it's very cool it's like sci-fi <laughs> um and very creepy i'll,
0: I'll link it to, to everyone what was the name again they live they live. All right. Interesting.
2: It's one of those that like back in 2014 Tumblr, people took screenshots and they're like, this is so deep. What like a, you know, comment on society. Like we live in so a society,
1: deep. <laughs> uh, but you know, the
2: message is still salient.
0: Yeah, no, it is. Cause I remember this one time I was watching the Transformers movie and there was this, like this scene where it had like a crashed Bud light truck and <laughs> all the Bud light had spilled everywhere. And one of the characters... Did it make you thirsty? No. One of the characters grabbed a Bud Light, opened it up, took a sip, and was like, let's go. And I was just like, that, <laughs> that was, was egregious. Wow. That was ridiculous. Like, how That's did this amazing. movie... How did this movie come out with Good this? on them
1: for getting that. Though. Yeah,
0: right? But it, it was just like... it." How could the movie think that that... Like, what were they expecting? Like, a hell yeah brother from the audience? Like, what what were they expecting? <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> In some ways, when it's not done well, it really breaks the fourth wall where it's like... Mm. I realize I'm watching, I don't know. I realize that you paid for that. That's like the message that comes across to me is like Bud Light paid for that and it is now here and it is disrupting
1: the whole experience. It really did, because I was stunned. (laughs) You're disrupting my experience. I was
0: stunned. Wow.
1: (laughs) I can't believe I don't remember that. That's amazing.
0: I feel like there's a fine line between referencing products because I feel like that adds an element of like realism to a work, but like Mm -hmm. I feel like product placement takes it a step further. And then it's actually like deliberately like incorporating a reference to the brand in exchange for compensation. So it's just like, I feel like it's like this, I don't know, it's just so much more gross at the end of the day. It's just gross to have, you know, you can't escape it. It's like this inescapable part of a media that you just, you, that you're being forced to watch that you're just like, you know, like a, uh, an ad you can skip or an ad you can like mute, but this is just like Mm. part of it. You're not going to mute part of what you're watching just, just because there's like an an ad in it. Yeah.
1: Did you find out when it first started? Was it with you? Like the whole invention of talkies? Yes. Give us the info.
0: So product placement began in the 19th century. Um, Jules Verne published the adventure novel around the world in 80 days and his fame mm-hmm. led to transport companies and shipping companies lobbying to be mentioned in the story. And so they were trying yeah. to to pay to be mentioned in around the world in 80 days because oh. they wanted you. Know, they wanted that kind of fame to be like, well, we can transport, you know, all these, all these goods in around the world in 80 days. So that was a big, that was the big first kind of oh, try at product placement. And then, wow. um, there's the famous Manet painting, the Folie Ber- Berrière, Berige, um, which is it a. It's legit. A, it's a bar scene, and um, <laughs> one of the distinctive bottles that's placed at the end of the counter is a is is recognizable as Bass beer, and they were not sure if Manet's motivation for including the branded product was just simply because he wanted to have the little bit of realism to it. Or if it was yeah. like actually paid for by Bass, and so that was kind of the like the first real um, soirée into into uh, inclusion, like like product inclusion. But then the actual like first like first uh, mm. first film um, that ha- included product placement was produced by Augustine uh, August August and Louis Lumiere in eighteen ninety six. Um, where they were specifically uh, requested to represent the Lever Brothers in France, and the Lever Brothers are a canning company, and their films oh. featured um, sunlight soup, which may have been the first recorded instance of paid product placement in a film. And wow. then the final, yeah, it, it was it was like a, a a soup company paid them to include the sunlight soup in their um, what
2: in for all of their thought. not
0: not all of their films, but but in in their films, yeah. which is. Which is great. But also like kind of gutsy to be like, how can you think your soup is interesting enough
2: to belong in a movie? Like (laughs) who has a soup company and they're like, I'm
0: going to put this on the big screen. Yeah, I'm going to put it on the big (laughs) screen. It deserves to be on the big screen. And then the final example I had was periodicals in the late 19th century. Basically, publishers figured out, like, you know what? A great way to, you know, increase our reputation is to have a copy of these magazines photographed with prominent people. And so they would basically hand these people these these periodicals and just like take pictures of them with them. And so wow. it was just, oh my <laughs> it, was, God. it was just That's like, it's like
1: handing Kim Kardashian a vogue. Yeah. <laughs> Getting her to walk down the street.
0: Because I feel like right now, product placement is kind of just like in the digital age, it's just so omnipresent because we have influencers and stuff and influencers are just product Mm. placement personified. Like at the end of the day, they really are. And and I feel like that's kind of like, we've just accepted that product placement is just part of our lives now in the digital age. And that's, that's a little like, not, I wouldn't say it's scary to me, but it's just kind of like, wow, this is life now, you know, life is just
1: product placement everybody's trying to sell you something. Um, it's kind of interesting to me because this
2: immediately makes me think of certain types of ads that have been banned. So like, you know, I think one of the famous examples is um, back when people used to go to drive-ins, there would be sort of ads or commercials that would flash really quickly and it would stick in your mm. subconscious, but you wouldn't realize that you had seen it. So there was this kind of um, like lack of... of um, consent, I guess, where these images are being flashed in your mind. Like, I think it was um, things along the lines of, of like, soda or, you know, candy or something like that. And then eventually you would come around to the idea, like, oh, I could really go for some candy right now. And I think that ads like that had to be banned. Yes,
0: they and did. They did have to be banned. This is
1: like the subliminal. Yeah,
0: they're subliminal the subliminal message.
1: Subliminal. Yeah, Sublim- yeah that. <laughs> Which reminds me of a Futurama episode where Fry... Like in his dream, he starts dreaming about these really fancy pairs of underwear. And he wakes up <laughs> and he, he, everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're advertising your dreams now. Anyway, he goes and buys the underwear. But it's kind <laughs> of kinda
0: like,
1: yeah. it, oh my I wonder if we'll ever get to that point <laughs> where we start dreaming about the ads that we're seeing.
2: I'm waiting. I hope, I hope our podcast doesn't get so popular that someone actually takes this idea. But I'm waiting for them to start projecting ads onto clouds.
1: Oh. <gasps> that would be magical but also awful but magical
0: magical but awful
2: i think that's what's gonna i think that's what's gonna happen next is that soon the sky is gonna be bought
1: Mm. well there was the idea i can't remember what company it was but they wanted to project something off the moon and add off the moon really yeah i don't think it ever happened but there was talks about being able to use basically the moon as like a big big ass projector screen which i think i would cry that's i think it's wrecking all of the the wonder that there is left in the world
2: i just googled um subliminal advertising and um it goes back to 1957 and the the specific one that i was like referencing i think this is mm. this is the famous one um had they had inserted the words eat popcorn and drink coca cola <gasps> yeah. into a movie oh my god they have flashed it But what's actually very scary is that the subliminal ads created an 18.1% increase in Coca-Cola sales and 57.8% increase in popcorn sales.
1: Oh, my God. So it really works. It works. Yeah, it works.
2: Yeah. And that's what's so freaky to me. So it's like, sure, at least like in the case that you were talking about, Drew, where it's like, oh, Bud Light and like whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I feel like in that case, I can kind of... Like, you know, it, I feel like my rights are still intact. <laughs> like, I see this yes. and I can decide yes or no. But there's something very scary about subliminal advertising to me that feels like y- you, like, don't have a yeah. choice. Like, that, that, to me, that's very it's scary. just, like,
0: projected straight into your brain and your brain's handling it versus, like, well, the, the the conscious part of your brain's not handling it. It's the subconscious part of your brain. And that's just, like, mm-hmm. I want food. Yeah, I want a drink. Like, you know, it's it's hitting yeah. the, the centers of your brain that you know, can't really think about it. It's hitting the centers of your brain that are just like, "Yep, I want to I want to have that now." Which is which is
1: a little terrifying. It's meant to be the same with colors as well, right? Like most fast food chains kind of have like red, red or mm-hmm, yellow, and mm-hmm. I think red's meant to subconsciously make you feel hungry.
0: I believe it's yellow, which
1: total, totally works. I amazing. love
0: shit like
2: that. I so also Also, Googling around, I found that the United States does not have specific federal or state laws addressing the use of subliminal messages in advertising.
1: Really? Well, how would you know unless you took every ad and, like, broke it down into subframes trying to look for, for any subliminal messaging? Yeah.
2: I feel like what a lot of companies do, and this is probably exactly to Drew's point, is that, you know, even if we say, oh, I'm really annoyed that Bud Light did that, like, we're still thinking about Bud Light.
0: Yeah. At the end of the day, we are.
2: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's kind of like over time, when we go to make a decision in the store, what's going to feel most familiar to us but Bud Light? Bud Light.
0: I mean, it's not, but...
2: (laughs) It's almost like a friend that they try to make. Yeah. So whether or not we like it in the moment, it kind of doesn't matter because we're kind of already thinking about it. Like, it's just already familiar. And
0: and a lot of what I saw about product placement was changing different products to sort of fit into a certain demographic. And so depending on the demographic of the people that you're presenting to, not presenting to, but, you know, showing the the film or or the TV show to, you would change the the advertisement or the, 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 the product that's placed there, you, you change that to, to better suit them. Because there was um, one example, because this is one of the forms of product placement is uh, placing contemporary products into an existing content. And there was one example, Demolition Man, in which the only restaurant that remained in the world was Taco Bell. <laughs> but, but since Taco Bell was not well known outside the US, this was replaced by Pizza Hut for international release. What? And so they, they redubbed. Oh my god! They redubbed everything referring to Taco Bell with Pizza Hut, and then reshot a few of the logo, or, or, or you know, in post production, changed the logos to be Pizza <laughs> Hut. And so this was just like a complete change to the wow. advertisement in the in the actual movie, and that was just to better fit the demographic of outside the US because Taco Bell wasn't That's known. That's
1: fascinating, but I also really want Taco Bell. <laughs> oh, me too. We only just got it in Australia. <laughs> and it's it's magic. It's awful, but it is delicious. <laughs> like I get the bean and cheese. Uh, just like casey.
0: <laughs> and now we're talking
1: about Taco Bell. I might have it for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> we're,
0: we're, we're product placement now. Oh my now.
1: goodness. Oh no! Uh, I hate it, but I, I'm also very
2: hungry. We've lived long <laughs> enough to become what we, we want to ruin. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what we hate. Yeah, exactly. So what other interesting facts did you find out about it, Drew?
0: So the second form of product placement is brand integration in which, and I quote, the product of the company name becomes part of the show in such a way that it contributes to the narrative and creates an environment of brand awareness beyond that pro- That produced by advanced placement, so basically, mm-hmm. if you think about Jurassic Park, remember how all the yeah. cars are Ford cars yeah that's a very subliminal not subliminal, but that's this kind of uh, form of product placement where it's not directly referenced that they're Ford cars, but every single car that you see is a Ford car, or you know every oh, single wow. thing you see in this souvenir shop from Jurassic Park is actually sold IRL. And so it's this form of like, Mm. it's more subliminal advertising that it's just like, yes, this has become synonymous with, Mm -hmm. with what's in the, in the actual film. And, uh, I found that one a little bit, a little scary on the subliminal side, but it's just Mm. like, it's more, you become accustomed to what you're seeing and, and it's, it's just becoming part of, a part of the movie. Mm. And so the third form of product placement is uh, product displacement. Um, this one is where real brand logos may be hidden or placed in fictional brand uh, with fictional brands yes. um, in a production. And so um, this is <laughs> used to either satirize or differentiate a product from a corporate brand. And the example that I heard about or read about, I should say, um, was Mercedes Benz didn't want to be represented in Slumdog Millionaire really and so all of yeah really and so all of the cars they didn't show the the branding of the mercedes-benz and the funny thing to me was mercedes-benz didn't mind the fact that gangsters were driving their cars but cared about their cars being portrayed in slums and that's why they the <gasps> showing their their logo
1: shame so if you uh how do they mandate that though like if you're filming like, I understand if you have, like, like with Jurassic Park, you make a contract with Ford to be like, you know, we'll only use your vehicles on set and, and in film. But I, I can't, like, how do you take a film? Do you have to then show it to every one of the brands that are in there just from everyday life?
0: I think you might have to, honestly. I think you might just have to send them, send them wow. something that says, like, hey, this is, like, your your car or your product is being represented in our film are you okay with this? And I feel like that just kind of, you know, is just a part of making a film is just really thinking about what products you're putting in or what products are shown because I think they wanted to, I think there are a few scenes where it actually like zoomed in on the uh, Mercedes Benz logo or showed it in any sort of capacity. And I think that's what they, you know, were like objected to was the fact that you could actually see the logo versus just like seeing the car because i think the cars were represented but it just like it didn't it didn't show the logo
2: this reminds me too in in toy story like i have like immediately i thought of like when you see the the pizza delivery guy's car and it just says yo yes it's the toyota yeah you're right (laughs) that was immediately what came to mind
0: Well, that's, that's what this is. It's, it's like replacing a a known brand with something to satirize it or, you know, parodies do that of course, Mm -hmm. but you know, this is just so that they don't, one, they don't have to pay them and two, they don't have to step on their toes so they can show whatever they want basically.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. I actually follow a guy on TikTok who he's like a special effects uh, person within movies, and he has like a whole folder with like specialty-sized labels to be able to like whitewash all the labels. So like whether you like, yeah, change like black out different letters to make a different saying, and then in the background of shots you can't really tell. But then at least it's it's not deliberately branded, which makes sense, I guess. If you're, mm. I don't know, I don't know where I was gonna go with that sentence, but it <laughs> it kind it kind of does make sense. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> it makes sense if you're a filmmaker. You want to you want to cover your ass if if a company's not happy with how you're portraying them,
1: or you want to cover your ass if if uh, the company ends up not aligning with any of your values as well.
0: Yeah. So the fourth type of of, of product placement is uh, audio only or visual only, mm-hmm. which of course can be combined into audio visual. Um, <laughs> and the example that was given was on this this Russian version of Big Brother they (laughs) the people on the show would literally say a company's name and a specific product from them and then the camera would zoom in (laughs) on that product and show the logo and they um they did an experiment in 2002 testing the relationship between audio and visual product placement and the results of the experiment concluded that regardless of the product being like high or low connection to the plot basically the audio product placement was way more likely to be remembered by the viewers than the visual placement but you know this was which i found very interesting but um this was just like a a very egregious example of just being like you know coca-cola and it would like zoom in on the can (laughs) and show you the logo oh my 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 god
2: that's amazing (laughs) oh I'm drinking Four Loco. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good.
0: Yeah, it, it, that one made me feel like I need to take a shower after how scummy that was. I oh was just God. like I can't I can't handle that. Babe, why didn't you tell me you were buying Synergy brand kombucha? Mm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so, thinking about product placement, so I was trying to think of examples that I remember. And I think the most predominant ones I remember are actually from, like, Bollywood movies. Um, oh! Because, yeah, I oh, love yeah. watching them. 100%. And I was thinking about, like, some of them are so, like, obvious as well. So there was one for Mountain Dew. I forget what movie it was in. But basically, like, the, the main superhero type character, like, every time he has a Mountain Dew, it kind of does that kind of... St- like zoom in to him holding <laughs> the can of Mountain Dew. <laughs> oh, it's so good.
0: I had a lot of experience with Bollywood movies, and the, I think the thing that like hit me the most was just that there's dance breaks. There's just like yes, like three dance breaks throughout the film of just like you know, a choreographed dances and I was just like, what is this? Why is this in my movie? And, and that's just like normal in Bollywood films.
1: I love it. I love how extra Oh my God,
0: Bollywood. I love it. Yes. (laughs) And then, uh, then of course we have parodies of product placement, which I'm sure we've all seen. Um, One of my favorites is, uh, is from Kung Pao, how they would just pretend to be like, Tell me if you see a Radio Shack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I was thinking of Kung Pao. Yeah, Kung Pao is one of my favorite movies. So I just I love the fake product placement they have in there. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's still <laughs> mentioning a specific company. And so like we're thinking about it. I mean, yeah. you know, that, I just I found that so funny that even in parodies, they, they, it still makes you think about a company.
2: I mean you could argue this isn't really a direct connection but you could argue that it's that same vein of humor that's made GameStop GameStop <laughs> stocks so yes. um so powerful and you know what I mean like it's that same kind of like parody like some kind of weird inverted like I hate capitalism but let's support the fuck out of mm-hmm. this dying company so that their death rattle is money. Like, you know, like there's just something like so, so hilariously twisted about it that at the end of the day still kind of benefits them, but no one is serious about it. It's just definitely like
1: millennial meme culture.
0: Yeah, it's a meme. It's it, like, I think product <laughs> placement has become a meme. It, like, I remember um, there's also, uh, I don't know if you two have seen, seen Spaceballs which is one of my favorite, another favorite movie, but you know, he makes fun of like space balls, the lunchbox, space balls, the flamethrower, like, <laughs> like the, he's parodying the, the fact that's actually, oh, yeah. um, what is that called? That's faux. That's faux product placement because it's not actually a real product, but, um, it's still
2: like the shirts I put
0: on our Twitter, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's still it's still like you know we see it, and we're just like that's acceptable to us that this product placement exists in our in in our media, and um I don't know I, I, especially to me sports sports are the worst i just I feel like sports are just mm. like a a product placement only kind of thing, I don't know that wasn't described well.
2: Uh, well, like all of the <laughs> product placement extravaganza.
1: Yeah, I think of like the fields. I don't know if it's the same in the US, but in Australia, like for the football, they will have like two big giant ads on either side of the football field, and I yeah. just like one of them is always like KFC or something like that. Um, but they're so noticeable and huge. Oh yeah, or the stadiums. Are named. Oh, exactly. In Melbourne, we have the Marvel yeah. Stadium. Yeah like after Marvel films.
2: Oh, that's so much cooler. We have like the PNC bank, like blah, blah, blah. 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 (laughs) exactly.
0: But like, it's also the the sideline billboards and stuff. And Mm. one of the crazy things to me was um, in a few video games, they actually, depending on where your location was, they changed the billboard ads to better target you based off of that. And so, oh if gosh. you in the
2: video game, yeah, in
0: a video game like a like a, I would want to call out FIFA, but you know, in like a FIFA type game, I was just
1: thinking about FIFA, like yeah, oh, that's would, fucked. It would
0: like the billboards would change depending on where your location was, and so you know, it would better advertise to you or better advertise to your demographic based off of where your location was, and uh, that just that one really blew
2: my I feel mind. Like, I feel like we should be paid to see advertisements that's my hot oh my god
1: what what is that movie um or sorry it's a tv show and it has like emma stone in it and it's kind of like dystopian future but it is so you can so if you uh, one of the scenes is like if you don't have money to buy food or your transport ticket you can get it covered and someone literally just reads ads to you for the amount of time that you need to pay out whatever you're getting covered so if you're buying like a takeout someone will sit with you while you eat your takeout and read ads to you so so you can get your food for
2: free I would do that I'm very good at ignoring people I would do that
0: to me product placement was just kind of this ubiquitous thing that we all just kind of accept and acknowledge but we can't really do anything about it's just like it's just there and it's just part of our, the entertainment we consume. And I don't know, I didn't want to sound dour by the end of this, but I just like, it was, it it hit me so much. Dour (laughs) us. What was that? Dour us. Dour us. It hit me just how like dystopian product placement kind (laughs) of is, where it's just, you can't escape it. And it's, you know as i said in my intro that media is kind of cut to these commercials and stuff but now it's like in the media that's cut around commercials and it's just like it's to me it's a little gross mm-hmm. but you know at the end of the day i can't really do anything yeah. about it but um yeah that was uh that was that was my kind of purview through through product placement and um so mm.
2: Thank you for dowering us. Yes.
0: so uh, sp-
1: Yeah, it was great. So
0: speaking of product placement, we have a few friends to shout out on our podcast. And I think this is a great time to shout them out.
1: <laughs> so I'm an evil crone in a young body. <laughs> How exciting. It changes everything. It really does. Ooh, so, um, I'm going to make this horrible noise and you're going to listen. <laughs> it's that putting two and two together, that penny dropping and mm. you realizing I can't rationalize this. Yeah. I'm sat here cackling away. Quite cathartic. (laughs) Lighten the mood. (laughs) If it's going to happen, it's going to happen to you. Yeah. Where's the lie? Uncanny. At first, it doesn't seem like something that scary or creepy, but actually when you delve into these different layers... (laughs) Hi! Hey there! I'm Liv. And I'm Amber. Together we are the Internet Witches. Join us on this podcast as we explore the magical, the spooky, and sometimes the bloody mysterious. We're fascinated by the bizarre. We'll be covering topics such as the paranormal, aliens, shamanism, conspiracy theories, urban legends, and of course, witchcraft. witchcraft. Think of this as a living, breathing, cackling book of shadows. Yes. Right, you're part of our club then. That's it, you're in. (laughs)
0: How's it going? Nice to meet you. I'm Stu. I'm Chris. I'm Dave. And we're the Pool Boys. We're the hosts of Pool Boys Recommend. recommend. It's a podcast where we suggest stuff to each other. We do it. And then we review it. You remember like show and tell at school? It's kind of like that, but this week I had a mental breakdown. (laughs) You're a music lover, Stu, okay? I am. What is this going to be? And So I want you to listen to B-52's seminal classic, Love Shack. 100 times. Oh, One, oh my God. Oh. You know, it's just when you're going to sleep, when you're having a shower. 100 times. 100 times. <laughs> you can start playing it now, maybe. Oh, my God. You, uh, you have you only yourself to blame if next episode I come back on the air and I'm like, oh, hey, how you going? <laughs> Here's another cheeky little clip for you. <laughs> Oh, this podcast is great. That was a dramatisation of you enjoying the podcast in the future when you check out. Bull boys, Pool boys recommend. recommend. Find us on Spotify and Stitcher whooshka, and Apple Google Podcasts, podcasts and even our own website. You know where to get podcasts. Come yeah, on, come on! You're listening to one now.
1: Ever wanted to hear rants about leaf blows with informative commentary on all of the trending topics? Then check out Apple Juice for two. Fill your ears with sugary entertainment made of everything from comedy to hot takes. Hosted by Brevin Stallings and Isaiah Allen. Produced by Cameron Allen in collaboration with Sunroom Studios.
2: Can I go next because my topic is not nearly as interesting as
0: both of yours?
2: Oh, I
1: disagree, but you go first. I think it's going to be mega interesting.
2: So I feel like this is much more like, how do we take something fun and make it boring? This is something you do every day and you never thought it needed numbers. Now here's numbers. Well, so, okay, like I said, I don't remember how I got here. I was in some kind of like fugue state. But um, basically, the last thing I remember is that I was looking at Crayola crayons. (laughs) And I was like, "How the fuck did they come up with all these stupid ass names?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like, I had seen on the Crayola crayon page because I'm I'm a, a total slut for like old fashioned advertising. This is very on topic, Me but too. like old fashioned advertising. Oh, it's just beautiful. It it's is. like you don't know what you're doing. But it looks good. It looks real good. (laughs) It looks real good. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like I'm being yelled at on the street when I read like old advertisements in a good way, in a good way. So I was like (laughs) looking at these old boxes and I was like, yeah, like I, I love looking at these old Crayola boxes. I'm having a really good time, like enjoying this because it's so unfamiliar, but familiar at the same time. It was, it was just a very cool experience. And, um, I was reading that the Crayola company, I guess, um, in the early 1900s had adopted this color system from somebody named Albert Munsell, and he was famous for the Munsell color diagram. So I was like, okay, let's see how, how this person inspired Crayola. Yeah. And I'll say right yeah. now... I find it very funny that the re- the whole motivation behind coming up with this color diagram was to avoid using stupid names. Munsell wanted colors to have numbers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And then Crayola's like, screw you. Yeah, Crayola is butterfly blue. <laughs> yeah.
2: Goldenrod. I mean, like, I like, I like these names. I really, I actually do. And I was happy to see in the Crayola um article that they had changed a bunch of problematic names so like indian red for example no more oh good yeah good glad they got rid good. of that one um
1: flesh and get rid of the redskins now
2: no no yeah no
0: exactly right we, were, we already did didn't we
1: um did we did the redskins get named
0: yeah they well they're the washington football team now
1: fuck yeah oh good sorry i'm behind on my american news
2: it also really bothered me that there was a flesh colored crayon
1: and it was renamed peach. That's good. Don't they have a colors of the world now? They have like all skin colors that you could think of in a giant pack, I think as well.
2: That's great. Yeah, no, I, I think that the part that I was reading before I got to the Munsell color diagram was more of like the, the like old, like the original collection.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um
2: and of those like you know the the racist or problematic ones have been renamed. Um but it's awesome that there's like colors of the world that's that's really good. Just remembering remembering back to being a kid and just using pure white.
0: <laughs> pure <laughs> white. I'm a ghost uh, draw
2: on my potato people.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: anyway, so um the Munsell color diagram was adopted into the Crayola company at the time was called Binney and Smith wasn't even called Crayola, um, back in 1926. And what was, what was interesting about the Munsell color diagram, or I guess a little bit revolutionary was that it was basically the concept of a color wheel, but in three dimensions, it was a color sphere. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So the three sort of axes of the sphere um, pretty much, you could you could change any of the three directions and get a completely different color. And Munsell assigned a number to them. So those three different like directions that you could go in were um, hue, chroma, and value. Oh,
1: okay, cool.
2: So in plainer terms, so like hue is like basic color. Are you talking yeah. red? Are you talking green, blue? Just like base color. Okay, chroma is the intensity. So, like, how close to true blue are you before you get into, like, different shades of blue that are practically gray, like you're seeing, like, a dog? Oh, I see. Okay. So, chroma is kind of, like, um, the intensity, but what we would consider, like, saturation. If you're editing an image and you play with saturation, that's, like, the same as chroma. Yeah, yeah. And then um, the last one is value, which is another word for lightness. So, it's pretty much along the scale of pure black to pure white. So it's like how much black and white. So basically, when you've got hue, which is the base color, chroma, which is how close you are to gray, and value, which is how close you are to black and white, you can play with all three of these parameters and get completely unique colors that were assigned numbers in the Munsell diagram. Oh my God.
1: Thousands colors. How many numbers did it go up to?
2: I, I actually, I think that it must be defined by its coordinates in this... Like, right. I don't actually okay. know like, the numbers, but I think that he was, he was after this kind of, like, like, decimals, like, idea, like, like, he was, he wanted it to be as exact, um, because he thought that, like, a a hex code, but
1: back in the old days. Yeah,
2: no, genuinely, yes, because he found that, that the way, this is, like, the deepest irony, is that he felt that the way people like Crayola were doing it was foolish and misleading, that's a direct quote, (laughs) because it's, it's true. Like, how do you describe red? How do you describe orange? You know, like it's it's to me. I found this interesting because I never thought of a really concrete way to describe the colors I was experiencing. Um, and the reason he cared about this was because through this method, it was easier to establish a colors opposite.
0: Oh, so you could do complementary colors
1: easier. Yes. Oh, I like it. I love me some complementary
2: colors. Like like purple and yellow, red and green. Like these would be opposite to each other along this sphere. And kind of to us, it's kind of like you can open any kind of app and play around in like the – like you could open, you know, your settings on, on any kind of font or any kind of like, you know – Photoshop sort of app or whatever. And you could play around with the colors and you can use all of these slider bars to play around with like hue and chroma and value. And it becomes very intuitive to you. But what I thought was so interesting about this was that, you know, before this, what seems so basic to us this kind of distinction, like like literally the bars that we are using to slide along was not something pre-established. And so I want to go through failed attempts to create this kind of process.
1: Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yes, please.
2: So I told you, so the way to envision this is like a sphere, like a full sphere, all the way in, all the way out. You've got all different colors along the way. Well, so physicists as well as artists... And astronomers and chemists all tried to give this a shot. And so I wrote down the names of some people who gave probably very ugly failed attempt. So this guy named Tobias Mayer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tobias Mayer was a moon astronomer. He tried to use a triangular pyramid to express this idea. Did not look so good. Johann Heinrich Lambert, who is a physicist, astronomer, and many other things, tried to use just a Single pyramid. Philip Otto Runga, who was a German romantic painter, tried to use a sphere, but he did not use all three dimensions of the sphere. He used just many spheres. Oh. Also failed. Sphereception. <laughs> French chemist Mi- Michel Eugene Chevreul. I cannot say that. He tried to use a hemisphere. And our own familiar Hermann von Helmholtz tried to use a
1: cone. Wow, they were really going in like the pointy shape direction for a while there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, there's like some true color at the top. Like I don't
0: know, Wait, like the ultimate colors at the top. <laughs> a sphere makes so much sense to me, though. Like, yeah,
2: it does. That's th- yes that's what kind of blew my mind is that I felt like I was reading ancient pseudoscience when I was like, why would you use a double pyramid to try to explain this? Like there's an elegant sphere right there. So what was so cool I felt about Munsell's whole process is that um, he did this, he published his book in 1905 and um, he did this in a very scientific way. He tried to, to unite art and science at the same time. And, it's kind of fascinating to me that this idea of a color wheel that we use is barely a hundred years old, like nineteen o five really was not that long ago.
0: wow, yeah, yeah, right that's that's not I feel like this is such an ancient thing to me that it's just like, oh, the color wheel was like always <laughs> there, but it's not
1: so what did they do beforehand? It was just they liked a the color, so they used it. I feel like it must have been so much more
2: intuition or like apprenticeship, you know, like more mm-hmm. of like a true. I don't know, like a a working knowledge of the colors. I don't know. Yeah. It is kind of just amazing to think, like, how else would you describe colors? But this guy was really the first to do it. And um, like I said, he was the first to consult both scientists and artists to bring his theory together. And um, That's amazing. Good on him. (laughs) There was a a quote that I really loved uh, from him that said, The physicist is busy with spectral hues. The physiologist, (laughs) like the painter, is busy with the sensation.
1: That is so true. Yeah.
2: And so he really tried to unite numbers and sensation. And like I said, you know, we've been talking about all of the ways that this is already apparent in our everyday lives, but beyond Crayola, beyond, you know, wherever else we mess around with colors or whatever, it is used in scientific labs this exact scaling this exact method it is used in forensic pathology to determine skin and hair colors hi hello
0: welcome welcome to my
2: (laughs) welcome to drew cool (laughs) welcome to drew's job um it is used it was actually it was first adopted actually in 1930 by let me get this name right the department of agriculture in the united states um presumably for soil matching. And it's still used today for getting the exact colors of soil right. Um, Dentists use this for, um, like, the shades of our teeth color for tooth restorations to get the tooth right.
1: Yeah, of course.
2: And uh, the most surprising to me is that breweries will use this to match beer colors.
0: Oh, yeah, that makes so much
2: sense. Oh,
1: that is so cool.
2: (laughs) So, um... I, I just feel, I, I'm a huge fan of this guy and his, uh you know, his process. I think it's beautiful that he created such a bridge between science and art, but kind of at the same time, I'm like, man, you really had to make art boring? Like, thanks.
1: <laughs> 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 wow.
0: But that's, that, that is the Munsell color diagram. Munsell color diagram. I... But it makes so much sense because you can, like, on a sphere, you can just go straight to the other side and and find the complement. I mean, the color wheel does the same thing, but I feel like the sphere is so much more elegant.
1: I would love to be in, like, virtual reality of that sphere. Oh, that would be so cool, Sarah. And be able to walk around in the different colors. Oh, it would be magical. Oh, frick, yeah.
2: I would want to turn colors that match the color I'm standing in. I don't know what you mean by that. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I would hope that, like, my whole body becomes, like... Like, like whatever, like, coordinate oh, I'm standing at?
1: Like a chameleon.
2: Yeah, like a chameleon. <laughs> I want to be the color I'm standing in. I don't want to just see it. I want to be it. I want to be the sensation.
1: I want to be the color.
2: Oh, if I could pick any color, I'd be purple. Oh, sweet. I'd be olive. Olive? What a, what a pleasing color. It's a nice
1: color.
0: Everyone feels good looking at olive.
1: That is true. Drew, what color?
0: Uh, I would be royal blue. I'm a I'm a big fan.
1: Yeah, royal blue safety. <laughs> I thought
0: you were gonna be like, I'd be white. <laughs> I'm a I'm a I'm I've got a, I'm a sucker for blue colors. So whenever I go to a museum, <laughs> just find things that are blue. Are you serious? I'm a hundred percent serious. I go to museums <laughs> and find things that are blue.
2: You're the worst. <laughs> Wait, do you I, mean do you yeah. mean art museums or like any museums?
0: Art museums, yeah. Oh, I thought
2: I mean, you meant like, like oh. science museums. Like, only show me the satellites that have blue on them.
0: I only want to see Saturn because it's blue. Oh <laughs> my <God>.
1: Imagine Saturn's <laughs> not blue. <laughs> true. Oh, true.
0: You had
2: so many <laughs> options.
0: <laughs> I, only see, I only want to see Mars. It's blue. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> it's definitely not. I think the only one that's blue is Earth.
1: Nine one one. I've been
0: murdered. No.
1: <laughs> There's Neptune, Uranus. They're both blue.
0: Is Pluto Blue-ish. blue?
1: Earth. Pluto not blue. No.
0: Not blue. Okay. Earth is blue. Let me scratch that off my list.
1: <laughs> I won't go I feel there. Like not
2: Saturn blue. is such oh a God.
0: blue name. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> blue Saturn name. Is such a
0: blue you name, you freaking
1: nematode! Oh my god! <laughs> well, this this transitions nicely if you're done, Lindsay, into my book of wonders. Oh please, 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 do tell, do tell. What could be more wondrous than yeah,
2: fucking so- up Saturn? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you get wrecked planets. So- <laughs>
1: So speaking of the planets and <laughs> getting wrecked, um, so the Book of Wonders is kind of like this combination of astronomy. Astronomy. Oh my god, I can't even say what I study. Astronomy. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I fucked that up. <laughs> Let me try again. Astronomy, astrology, and geomancy, which is a bit like. Um, <gasps> uh, hold on, what is it? It's like. Not, I'm thinking about necromancy, it's not necromancy, it's, it's like divination. It's like
2: tarot, but for numbers.
1: Yes, yeah. Yeah, exactly, like divination-type conjuring-type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Book of Wonders, which I thought was so fabulous, was that it really focused a lot around the different zodiac signs and kind of representing what these planets and the signs actually meant in picture form. Which I thought was really, really cool because it's an illustrated book and the pictures are just wild and incredible. Um, so I'm going to send you some links and we'll put we'll put the pictures and everything up on our Twitter uh, at Go Ask Alice Pod. Um, okay, let me send you. Let me get the link. Sorry, give me a second. I've also got some screenshots to show y'all. Okay, so oh, if you click true. on the link, you'll see some of the images that are within this book and they are just absolutely incredible. Um, so a lot of them, like I said, revolve around like the signs of the zodiac, but then also just in the idea of um, not only, Uh, astrology kind of playing a part in your life so like the alignment of the stars um but also the gods and whatever type of god that you believed in and so this this was written in persia and so a lot of the spirits that are in this are actually um part demon which i thought was really really cool um so uh let's start off with one of my favorite images is uh, actually of the author himself so i'll send you another image in the chat and you can see this on our twitter Um, the author himself was an astronomer and an astrologer and so he kind of did this self-portrait which is one of the most predominant um, images within this within this book Um, and let me just send it all right, so this is kind of like his self-portrait. So do, do one of you want to describe what the image kind of is? And then I'll explain ex- Explain what I it's I thought there was a be. man...
2: Pee- I thought there was peeing into a giant bowl, but that's just like a crease on the page.
1: Yeah, oh, he is squatting over like a giant bowl.
2: <laughs> so which one is the <laughs> author? There's two figures. There's one guy squatting mm-hmm. over a bowl, and there's another guy very pensive looking like what mm-hmm. the
1: fuck but also i'm thinking yes so the one that's squatting is the author and the astronomer um and then the mm. guy uh is he's like attendant kind of helping him do the experiment so the astronomer is trying to do um he's trying to do an experiment using an astrolabe labe i don't know i had never astrolabe? heard of it, so... astrolabe astrolabe yeah, yes th- sorry yeah yeah, I had never, I'd never really heard of these, so I did some googling on them too, and it's like this ancient form of trying to align where the stars are off the horizon, which is just amazing. Um, and so that's yes. that's the picture in the book. Is he's sitting there and he's trying to do this experiment, but I love how whimsical it is, and he's got all of his knowledge next to him, like in his form of <laughs> that's book. true. He's got his stacks of books. That's like me
2: keeping my Zoom background open so people can see all the books on my bookshelf.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) this is this guy's ultimate Zoom profile is him doing work while while showing off all of his knowledge.
2: Um, So the astrolabe also was used for um, navigation. That was like how it actually became popularized was that a lot of sailors would use the astrolabe. Um, to navigate the seas because it was really precise in aligning the stars with the direction that people were traveling
1: in. I think that is it. So it was a bit before like this, the sextant.
2: Yeah. It was, it was, it was an Arab invention. Yeah.
1: How incredible though, that people could align themselves with the different constellations and literally track their way around the globe yeah
2: it absolutely fascinating and just like a a true feat of of like middle eastern um ingenuity like, uh, engineering yeah
1: yeah so speaking of like true feats of of like the middle east and during this era so this was in the 14th century so something that was still standing in the 14th century was at the lighthouse of alexandria um so this is kind of if you think of where cairo is now it's kind of the tip more facing towards the mediterranean side and so this lighthouse was named as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, um, because I will send you a, an illustration that is also in the book of this lighthouse. It is absolutely incredible. Um, so we can we think of the, the pyramids as being great feats of engineering, which they absolutely are. But this lighthouse actually had um, like quite sophisticated internal uh, mirrors to be able to do the lighthouse effect of shining the light and so during the day they would use the sun and a mirror to flicker the light around and then at night they would light a fire and have the mirror spinning around to flash the light out of it. And so this picture that I've just uploaded um, which is in this book of wonders is one of the one of the rare like etchings and like depictions of what this lighthouse actually looked like because it was unfortunately destroyed. Um, Over a couple of centuries with different volcanoes and different earthquakes that happened that shook the ground and it all ended up basically falling into into the surrounding river and then the surrounding uh, materials as well. Um, So I thought this was fascinating and this is how I got on the Book of Wonders, was looking at this beautiful sketching of what that lighthouse might have looked like. And so that was really cool. So I got interested in the, the astronomy side of it. And then I stumbled across the demons, which are my absolute favorite. Um, so let me, all right. So the spirits in this book were referred to as jinns, which is something um, uh, like old Arabic for like a genie or a spirit. So something that was not on this material plane, but that could transition over. Mm-hmm. And so, one of my favorite images, which again go to the Twitter to check out, is this man who's lying in bed and he seems like he's asleep, and he's being taunted in his sleep by this demon, by this jinn who is kind of playing with him and toying with him. Um, which I thought was hilarious because I found this article uh, in a bout of insomnia myself, and this this is how I feel <laughs> when I can't sleep. <laughs> it's like there is a jinn toying with me. <laughs> there's a jinn
0: just on your chest. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah and so this kind of um this imagery was quite prevalent throughout the middle east um with uh trying to align the idea of like the evil eye or of um this like unwelcome spirit um, is often represented in blue colors or blue discs and so the pillow that he's on is meant to represent this kind of evil eye which i thought was very very cool Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. I'll, just, I'll go through some of my other favorite drawings, which absolutely please Google the Book of Wonders. It is just amazing. Um, So I'll send you another jinn.
0: Oh, look at him. The little goat man.
1: Isn't he cute? So I thought what is quite funny is like this, not funny, but kind of really interesting is like the, the evil spirits, like these demonic spirits were represented they're really they look quite friendly and so one of them he does kind of look like a goat like he's got his like two-toed hoofs and he's got his horns but he looks really friendly he's smiling at you and he he's he's kind of just looking at you like hey want to hang out um and it's not that not that scary um i guess to us but i wonder back in the day he looks very welcoming he does look super welcoming
0: have you ever read the the book where the wild things are
1: yes he he looks like a wild thing this looks
0: exactly like it, <laughs> it yeah. looks like a wild thing
1: yeah absolutely um and what was so cool about this book or it was called a codex back then because it was before traditional book book publishing was actually a thing was that the majority of it were these illustrations with basically no um no pretense around them within like no writings around them to explain what was happening so a lot of what we see is just and, and understand is now it's you know anthropologists and and literary, literary uh scholars trying to decipher what these images really represented um and what was kind of hard to do was like this codex um it got unbounded at some point and then it was rebound but in kind of a random order and so the only the yeah so if you read it in a random order the The messages or kind of like the ideas could be very lost but luckily there are these two copies that were made um and they were made for the daughters of of this predominant figure back back a couple hundred um back yeah a couple hundred years ago and so there's these two copies that exist now one in new york city and one in paris where it is in the original order and so thankfully because of that we can kind of make out what the book is is trying to say and most of it is just trying to explain the the relation of the stars to to humanity um and so one section of the book which I found quite awesome was describing at the time they knew of seven planets and this included the Sun they, they counted the Sun as a planet um and they described them with all different activities which when I'll, I'll read something out in a second but it reminds me so much of if you grab like the weekend newspaper and read your astrology, readings i don't know if anyone else does that (laughs) i love even though i am not an astrologist (laughs) um, i i kind of love the the whimsy behind aligning your life with what what are the planets doing even though in the basis of science we know that that's that's not how it works but in the the realm of like your own humanity it is kind of nice to align yourself with what the rest of the universe is doing right um so in this book it was described that the seven planets um, refer to different activities and professions so uh, one example is saturn uh, that is not blue thank you drew <laughs> um, was referred to as the dark planet um, and it re- was related to jobs that have to do with ones like dirtying one's hands. so if you were a blacksmith or a leather tanner um, so getting your hands dirty and really getting down and doing the work um another one was the sun so again they they referred to the sun as a planet before they they really understood astronomy Um, and so the sun's role was to look over the rulers uh, and the money makers and so it had a lot to do with power and gold and so you can kind of see this throughout the illustrations is that um there's, there's these seven different climate illustrations and all of them are linked to a different planet throughout the book, which is just really interesting. So it's like really the beginning of kind of modern day astrology readings is is looking at this book and seeing what your alignment planet really meant for you, which I thought was fascinating.
2: It's so interesting because those associations, I think, still persist Like Saturn still has a reputation of being this dark planet, like powerful, Mm. but um, some in in some traditions has like an evil association to it. Yeah, and like the sun, maybe for obvious reasons, still has this association of being very powerful, very motivated. Um, So it's just it's really cool to see. Like to me at least, like this is just like observing life and trying to make sense of it, trying to tell a story, trying to digest what you're noticing or what you're seeing and put it together, like, in a story. I mean, like, even in the example of the djinn who's visiting the person in their dreams, like, I don't know if you've ever experienced sleep paralysis. Yes. But it it is terrifying. only a couple times.
1: (laughs) It is terrifying.
2: And it feels like... It really is, yeah. It feels like... I know, like like sleep paralysis demon has become its own meme but like it does feel (laughs) it feels like something is holding you down or something is fucking with you like in some kind of way um so like to me this is very much um like very relatable like in the way that it's like i'm observing life and and i'm trying to give a cause to the effect like i'm I'm yeah exactly yeah
1: which is so human
2: definitely and i see you sent us a picture of a guy on a camel
1: i have so so i was gonna just (laughs) wrap it off with like the wonders that it describes so it describes the wonders of the planets and the zodiacs and then also has like depictions of ancient wonders like the the lighthouse Um, but it also has sections in it like this where so the picture i just sent through is this this man on a camel and he's slaying a dragon with like a lance or a spear, uh, spear not sphere <laughs> spear. <laughs> um, but again it's kind of like this whimsy where it's <laughs> some of it is so realistic well realistic in it's depicting real things like the lighthouse whereas other other bits of it is just very whimsical and i don't i couldn't find exactly what the what they think the premise behind the camel dragon slayer was um but I just love it I think it's really cool
2: yeah I wonder if it was just like a giant snake or if they were like I don't know if
1: this yeah thing. I don't know yeah. you can definitely see that oh. there's kind of like um not only middle eastern but like asian influence into the the artistic drawings like the the mm-hmm. styles are really really unique and beautiful mm-hmm
0: Also, the camel's got a necktie, which I'm really appreciating.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he does
0: too. Oh my God. Little business business camel.
2: This camel means business.
0: (laughs) He's kind (laughs) of, he's he's smiling like he's a used car salesman. Just like, hey, (laughs) hey, wait, I got you.
1: Demon. Come with me.
0: Hey, away, <laughs> get rid of this dragon. We're gonna get rid of it.
1: Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> He's a noble steed.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, truly is noble. <laughs> Sorry, that necktie that necktie was just I my eyes were just immediately drawn to it. I was like that's a fancy camel. Oh yo, you don't
2: need this you don't need this dragon here. Just slay this dragon. We got sales, come on down.
0: We got sales, come on down. Slaying dragons, slaying prices.
1: (laughs) Oh my god, amazing. Just subliminal advertising. (laughs)
0: subliminal advertising for a used car sale (laughs) using of camel okay but also like this was what
2: 13th century can you imagine somebody 700 years from now making fun of one of our paintings with an invention (laughs) that doesn't exist yet Yeah, like cars did not exist in the 13th century like i i just can't (laughs) This is like the, the metaphysical perspective of what we're doing right now is just also so fucking funny. Like 700 years now, people are like making fun of our drawings with hover cars or whatever the fuck.
1: Oh my god. Oh, 700 years yeah, from now. Yeah, uh... that's probably like a Harry Potter religion. Who knows?
0: Oh my god. <laughs> that's bleak
1: bleak very bleak future i'm glad i exist very now very bleak future where it's only mildly bleak
0: A protestant reformation of the of the church of harry potter <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, no
0: <laughs> oh my god
1: all right so that that was that was my mini deep dive into into the book of wonders which i hope you liked and i hope you go check out all the pictures because they are very awesome and interesting and while you're at it you should subscribe uh to us on your favorite listening device whether it's spotify or itunes and go follow twitter who lindsay so lovingly runs for us and you'll always get a good laugh over there oh go follow the (laughs) okay okay go follow the twitter Well, there's lots of fun, fun and shenanigans happening over there.
2: It's I'm, I possessed by the Twitter gin. I don't even know what I'm saying. I just say it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for hanging out with us. Um, We're truly grateful to spend time with you, whether it's contributing to the background noise in your empty apartment, or if it's accompanying you on a road trip or, you know, just hanging out like while you're doing work or whatever, um, if you're on Twitter, definitely follow us at Go Ask Alice Pod. Um, wait, is that actually our Twitter? I don't know. What's our Twitter? I can't
1: remember if it's Ask Alice Pod or Go Ask oh my- Alice
2: Pod. No, it is Go Ask Alice Pod. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, shit.
1: You yeah, do come it-
2: hang out with us.
0: <laughs> you want to do it one more time? <laughs> okay, <laughs> one,
2: two, three. <laughs> okay thanks for listening to us and hanging out with us and we really enjoyed keeping you company and thanks for sharing with all of our interesting facts definitely hang out with us at go ask alice pod because i'm very lonely on twitter and i check it more than i want to admit and i'm going to keep making stupid t-shirts if people don't keep me busy
1: uh join us next (laughs) week we have no idea (laughs) what i said that's a threat (laughs) <laughs>
2: That's a threat. That's a threat. You're gonna get more puffy shirts if you don't come hang out. Um, exactly. And we don't know what we're gonna talk about next week, but if you're listening to us in the future, you know more than we do. So, um, buy Bitcoin or something. Thanks.
1: <laughs> a pretty solid advice, actually. <laughs> Bye.
0: Sorry, I'm still getting over the fact that Saturn's not blue. (laughs)